0: a series of conversations with you several uh, last week actually. I was going to say several weeks ago. It's been a long week. Last week, it's going to stretch out maybe to next week. I think I'll conclude. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But on this idea of blessed obedience, and it came from this thought of Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I'm going to read this passage to you again. Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. And then you can also turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 20 and maybe stick your finger there. We'll go there in just a second so you can flip. Moses is writing to the people and he has this conversation. And I told you last week that I read through this and I just thought, and asked the Lord, you know, Lord, how is it that we get to this place? And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1, Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. That's a strong statement. All of these blessings will come upon you and even overtake you or even overflow from you. If you'll let me translate that a little bit my way. If you obey the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts and the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket, and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way, but will flee from you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and and all that you put your hand to. He'll bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as uh, as he swore to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, the offspring of your beasts, and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord will open up for you his storehouse, his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll only be above and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, out which I charge you today to observe them carefully. How do we receive those blessings? How do we get to those place uh, the, the place that Moses is talking to the people? You know, he he says, Here are these blessings, and if you obey the word of God, people of Israel, then you're going to receive these blessings. They'll be put on you, but not only will they be put on you, they'll actually overtake you. And I thought, you know, wow, how would it be in our life for God to pour out blessings on us that everything I put my hands to, every bit of work I ever try to accomplish is going to be blessed by the Lord. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want our our offspring blessed? Don't we want our produce blessed? Don't we want everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we are? We want it to be blessed, right? Right. I don't want to be the tail, I want to be the head. I want to be at the beginning, I want to be at the front of the line for those blessings. I want to be blessed whether I'm going out or whether I'm coming in, whether I'm in the city, whether I'm in the country, wherever I am, I want those blessings of God on my life. Do you agree? And I believe the Lord just kind of gave this simple thought that as I, you know, this was specific for the people of Israel, this was for the children of Israel, this was the people God had brought out of slavery out of Egypt. And I thought, you know, God, how do I get these blessings for me, for right now? How do we as the church of Christ, the church of Jesus, how do we receive these blessings? The thing is, that is no different. It comes from a blessed obedience. A blessed obedience. And I told you that we were going to kind of walk through the commandments of the Lord. And the Lord kind of led me to the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20. And looking at those, and just kind of walking through and looking through the lens of a, a little bit different light. That we're looking at it through the eyes of Scripture, not only the New Testament, or not only the Old Testament, the law, but kind of viewing this in a way that we see it through the lens of Jesus and through the lens of the New Testament. You with me? We talked about God wanting uh, to have the platform of our heart that God said you to have no other gods before me no other gods beside me no other god but me however your translation might read no other god should be on the platform of your heart God has to have the front and center if you just, I kind of made this illustration if this stage is the place of our life the place of our heart God demands that he be the only one that hold your heart he be the only one that stand on the platform of our life and what we want to try to do sometimes is let something kind of creep in. Maybe we'll tuck it away in the corner. You have no idea, just to be honest, what's behind these, these great, fantastic things up here. In fact, it's kind of trashy back here. You don't need to come look. From out there, it looks beautiful. You get right here and you kind of look. There's cables strung everywhere. I ain't trying to call nobody out. There's a pair of shoes right there. There's a tambourine over there. It just don't look very neat. You don't know that from there, though right? And what we try to do is tuck somebody behind this little crevice in the platform of our life, and God doesn't truly have the platform, therefore we don't receive the blessing that he really has for us. He's a zealous God, not just a jealous God, but a zealous God that wants our utmost attention. He needs that intimate, personal relationship. Maybe he don't need it. He wants it. We need it. That uh, personal relationship with him and no other thing, no other person, nothing else deserves a place on this platform that's his. You with me? Then he goes on and he says, don't make for yourself any likeness of an image, anything that looks like anything on heaven and in heaven on earth believe the earth and then he goes on he says don't worship it that commandment was directly related to how we worship the lord we let things sometimes take the place of our worship the way we worship things occasionally will take the place how how we worship the father and he said there's there's only one way to worship me the new testament says you're to give your body as a living sacrifice holy acceptable and pleasing this is your reasonable act of worship Me, myself, my life is the way that I worship the Lord. And God said, I'm the only one that should be receiving that kind of worship from you. You don't need to create anything else. And and we talked about how it was kind of countercultural because in Egypt, where the people had come from, where they had actually been and worshiped and been in slavery for all these years, they had adapted to the culture of the Egyptians. And so God's calling them to step out. He's calling them to be different. We've got to look different than everybody else. The way we worship is different than everybody else. And he's pushing these children of Israel to do the same thing. You with me? Then we went on, and I read this morning that I was reading out the New Living Translation, and that's the way I'm going to read this next commandment in a moment. But we talked about not taking the Lord's name in vain. The New Living Translation said, Don't misuse the name of the Lord. If we're not careful... We allow this to to be a substitute. I told you, and it's kind of harsh. But it's true if you think about it. We'll substitute the name of Jesus in the place of a curse word. I don't know how much lower you get than substituting the name of the almighty creator in the place of a curse word. You stump your toe, we watched the video Wednesday night, and Pastor Tony Evans was talking about the light coming into the darkness, and he talked about how uh, it, when you, you think you know your house, you think you know the bedroom, and when you get up in the middle of the night and you try to walk around in, in the darkness and everything's going fine and dandy till all of a sudden that little pinky toe catches the corner of the bed, and he said it creates havoc in the room, right? And it's in those moments that if we're not careful... Some of us will misuse the name of the Lord when in reality, God's got the power to destroy the bed in the, in the sense of the moment, right? In the same way we talked about, though, that the same way you can misuse it in that way, we can be living this life even in ministry, even doing the work for the Lord, getting in that uh, mode where we're doing things that we believe are right, and it gets to a place that's almost repetitive, it's almost mundane. And if we're not careful, uh, the Bible talked about Ma- in Matthew he said many people are going to get to the, the Father and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, and, and I, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't we perform miracles in your name? Didn't we do all these great things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never actually knew you. And that brings this deep reality of the fact that we can do lots and lots of things for God, but what are we actually doing with God? And if we're not doing the things for God, with God, then we are doing things and misusing the name of Jesus even to do good things. And so we got to the place where we're not to use the Lord's name in vain, to use it loosely, to misuse it. And so then it brings us to this place, and I'll be honest, I debated. I'm out of breath, I'm tired. I want to roll today. I really struggle with this next one because in my opinion, this is 100% Mitchell's opinion, I see the commandments split up into three different categories. Commandment one through three, we just went through, is about all about our relationship with God. Commandments six through 10, Or about our relationships with other people. Five through ten. Our relationships with other people. We'll get to that one next week. The fourth commandment, to me, has a category of its own. And so I kind of struggled how to piece this together and how to walk through this sermon series. And I thought, you know what, we're just going to take a day. And we're going to break this one down. In a way that I believe that it can be communicated and viewed through the lens of Jesus. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 says, I want you to pay attention to the words. I'm reading out a New Living Translation, it don't matter which translation you read it. Remember, number one, remember, remember, to observe the Sabbath day, by keeping it. You remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He said you've got six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. This is interesting because it doesn't just directly affect Me as an individual, but it's supposed to affect everybody that's associated with me. Listen, he says, on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And this is our third thought. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Did you just stick with me for a few minutes? I recognize that if you sit in the house today, maybe I'm preaching to the choir. I like to do that though. Because I feel like if the choir don't have an understanding of why they do what they do, then they can't tell anybody else outside. Don't don't mishear my heart through this conversation. We're gonna deal with the heart of the law, not the letter. That's why we're stepping to the New Testament. We're looking at this through the eyes of Jesus. You and I are not the children of Israel that just came out of Egypt. We're the children of God who he's trying to bless with this blessed obedience of life. Three different thoughts that I wanna share with you that I see through this passage, I believe the Lord's laid them heart. First of all, if you couldn't tell because we repeated it 500 times, remember God said remember the Sabbath day here's the thing the people of Egypt were this people that they they worked hard they slaved the people of Israel were under bondage they were a people that they were being uh, literally by the time they were uh, exodus they, they did the exile they were they were sent out by the time Moses led them out they were literally being beaten to do their job And the Israelites here have gone through the wilderness. They've wandered around for 40 years. God has provided manna six out of seven days. That's intentional. Six out of seven days, God provided them something to eat. He's taken care of them. He's given water out of rocks. He's done everything they needed to do. And this journey has taken place even to the point that an entire generation of people had to die out before the children of Israel could enter in. We've walked through this journey together since the beginning of the year. An entire generation of people, I told you that Sunday, ever how many Sundays it was, an entire generation of promise had to die out. They had to go away before God could actually bless the people and allow them to go in. And I I think back, if we're not careful, I know how I am. We've had conversations, and, and maybe it's, I don't know, we'll blame it on COVID maybe, because we had a conversation the other day, does COVID affect your memory? I don't know, Maybe. Can I use it as an excuse? I think back to even 10 and 12 years ago in my life. You know, I'm a young guy. I recognize that. You want to call me a baby? There are details about life 10 and 12 years ago I don't remember. There's things that I can't recall, things that really are actually important. That it bothers me that I can't really recall and replay the day sometimes the way I want to replay the day. I remember, about to be like worst dad ever. I remember certain details about my kids being born. But as weird as it is for me and as bad as I kind of struggle with this over the last month trying to recall this back up. I can't play out. The entire day of Madeline's birth, that was only seven years ago. Granted, I recognize I want the one that brought her into the world. But I can't bring that back. Certain parts, if I sit and ponder, certain little tidbits will come back and they have over the last several weeks because it's bothering me. I can't remember. And I know that if I've forgotten that important few days that happened seven years ago, can you imagine the children of Israel have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and if mom and daddy didn't do a good job telling the babies and the grandparents didn't do a good job working that down the line, here now the children of Israel are, are they're entering into the promised land and they ain't got a clue how to remember what slavery was like. And so God starts this commandment. He said, remember the Sabbath day. Well, yeah, of course. The letter of the law says, remember the Sabbath day. That's simple. That's cut and dry. But it's a whole lot deeper. Why did he say, remember the Sabbath day? Why didn't he say, honor the Sabbath day? Why didn't he say, hey, this is the day you need to stop, clear the calendar. He said, no. He said, remember the Sabbath day. There's something to the remembrance And I believe that the Lord is directing his children and he's directing you and I to take a day and step back and recognize and remember the goodness of God. You and I were failures. Some days we still are. But before my conversion to Christ and even seasons where I might have drifted away and he brought me back before, I was a mess. And if I fail to forget that, I might as well walk right back over to the camp of Egypt and get right back in my bondage and start back making bricks that are useless to me personally. He said, remember the Sabbath day. This is a day for you and I to stop. And remember, and he's encouraging the children of Israel, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what I brought you through. Don't forget the day that you say you had nothing to drink. You really wanted to die. And this doggone rock started flowing water out for you to drink. Don't forget that day. All week long, six days, you work, and you don't have time to stop and think, I'm determined as God, I'm going to make you remember that day. Remember who you were without me. Remember who you could be without me. Remember how lost you were. Remember the Sabbath. Then he says, number two, keep. Remember and keep. Keep what? Keep you holy. What does holy mean? It means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means that it's supposed to look different than the other six days out of the week. It's supposed to be separated. In biblical language, holy means if I'm trying to strive, I've been on this kick lately. I read something that is interesting because, especially working with teenagers, I love them dearly. But they always want to push the button. Don't your kids want to push the button? How far can they go? How far can they go? Even we as adults. I want to push the button. How far can I go? How far can I go? We ain't even got to go in detail. Here's the point. If you have to ask how far you can go, it's too far. And so I've started flipping the question. I've been asked recently can I drink while I'm a Christian? First question, first question I says, why you gotta drink? Can I smoke weed while I'm a Christian? why are you smoking weed? How how, how far, I'm just laying out, how far can I go sexually and still be saved? We're asking the wrong questions. It don't matter how much you can drink. It don't matter how much you can smoke weed or cigarettes. or I don't care what it is. It don't matter. The question actually is, how holy can I be? How holy can, Peter said, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. And if I'm going to live a life that's a life under blessed obedience, and I want God to pour out all these blessings on me, I want to be the beginning, not the end, the head, not the tail. I want everything that my hand touches to be blessed. I want him to pour out the blessings from heaven, to rain down on the, the seeds that I sow to make them sprout. I don't give a rip about a question of how much you can drink and still be saved. you really just displayed the maturity level of your faith at that point. Because the question is, how holy can I be to be like Jesus, to be Christ-like, to be Christian? It doesn't matter. All this other stuff that my mind wants to attempt to figure out The question I should be asking is how holy? I'm not perfect. Never will my attitude be perfected until the day Jesus returns. I hate it. Last night I laid in the bed. I just was done with me. You ever get that way? Just done with me. Why why I gotta be the way I am? And until the day that Jesus returns and I get to race the race of endurance and I get to continue on until the day of completeness and his work is finally complete in me, I don't have the attitude of Christ. I'm going to strive to get as close as I possibly can to get into that place. But until the day that he literally divides me, takes me up and I'm walking with him, I don't have that. So every step of the journey, I've got to ask, how holy can I be? How we got there? Lord and the world only knows. It was supposed to be this kind of conversation today? Point is, to be holy is to be separate. Don't look like nothing else, don't look like nobody else, don't look like the crowd. It's to be separate. Keep the Sabbath holy. That means it's different. It doesn't look the same. It's separate. Now, we can completely tie corporate worship into this. I'll I'll be honest with you. When I read this, you can correct me, and I'll open myself up, not right now in this moment, but afterwards, tomorrow. You're welcome to give me a call. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners among you, for in the sixth day the Lord for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Other than the fact of dedicating the day to the Lord, it don't say go to church right? I'm going somewhere. Hold on. I just preached holiness to you. You know I'm going somewhere. (laughs) It's not there, though. We can't put something in the text that's not there. It says, remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, keep it holy. And he walks all the way through, dedicating it to the Lord. It does not say at 1045 on a Sunday morning, That you need to walk through the doors and grace yourself to the beautiful appearance of a congregation to a church. It's not there. But if we're going to view all of these other things to the lens of the New Testament Scripture, we're going to view this one there as well. The writer of Hebrews said, in chapter 10, verse 25, he's talking all about perseverance. Pushing through, Do you, don't you think we need some advice on how to persevere? He gets to this point, verse 23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Praise Jesus. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love and good works. And this is where it becomes biblical for us to attend church. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's biblical for us to attend church. Not because God is some God standing over us that needs our worship and needs our praise. In case you forgot, any way, shape, or form, he doesn't need my worship. There's a rock somewhere that the Bible says is going to cry out and worship the Lord. He don't need me. All creation exalts his name. He doesn't need me to worship. He wants it. We learned that in the first conversation. He needs it. He wants this intimate one-on-one relationship. but He doesn't need it. So why is it biblical for us to come together? It's biblical for us to come together because you and I were created for Community. We were created, and we need brothers and sisters to bind around us and lift us up when we're broken, when we're hurting, when we're winning, when we're victorious, when things are down, when we don't know how to push forward. We need somebody around us. We are stronger in numbers. God created us to be a community of believers unified, broken together, woven together in a strand that can't be broken. He said we're... Two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. It's biblical that we come together, but not because we're we're expected to to fulfill a need of God for our worship. You need the Word of God, I need the Word of God, but this, this is the only place you're getting it. We're in trouble. I'm just saying. We need each other. I made a dumb comment last Sunday morning said we all hate the online Bible studies. It's completely false, that ain't true. We love the Bible studies, we love even the way that we were able to communicate. But truthfully, it, what my heart was saying, although my mouth never got it out, what we need is to see each other, we need to be face to face. The Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. I'm sorry, I ain't going to go kiss up on you, but I need the physical. I'm just being honest. We need each other. We need a physical contact with each other. God designed us to be that way. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. The young, there's 9 and 10-year-olds that are suicidal, that are getting antidepressants because of this season we're walking through. You know why? Because there's nobody walking up putting their arm around them and saying, I love you, because they're scared to death to do it. We were created to be together in community. The writer said, don't neglect meeting together as some people have made it a habit of doing. It is so easy to form the habit of not coming together, but it is the hardest thing in the world to make a habit of coming to church. It is. It's so easy to miss, but it's a totally different ballgame to show back up. And unfortunately, I love our online church family, and some absolutely don't fall into this ball game. But now what we've done as the church is we've created this outlet, and I believe it's, it, we've got to pursue it. It's going to be the next way of discipleship. But now we've disconnected people from the community of church where they can sit at home and they can receive the word and they can experience worship, but they miss this element. I can't look them in the eye and they can't look you in the eye. They're missing it. I'm not talking about the people that can't be here. Because they got sickness and they got all these other things that maybe are going on. They're trying to be cautious. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that have gotten to a place where it's more comfortable to be a home than it is to be in the house. He said, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Make it look different. It should be set apart. It's got to be different than the other six. And then the third element to this, the Bible says that you and I were made in the image of God. Male and female both, we were made in the likeness of him. You agree? So God created this pattern in the beginning of creation. This passage of Scripture says in verse 11 For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God's a God of patterns and a God of seasons. Everything in life. I heard. A little bit of Mr. Tommy talking about eating earlier, and they were having a conversation out in the foyer about eating breakfast and this, that, and other. I don't eat on Sunday mornings ever. Typically on Wednesday evenings, I'll eat a huge lunch so I don't have to eat if I'm teaching on Wednesdays. I'm just going to be honest with you. About 30, 45 minutes, I'm going to something to eat. Because on Sundays, I break a pattern. Because even our, even, even our eating schedule is on a pattern. Right? I'm going to be hungry here in a little bit because I broke it and I didn't eat. God created a pattern. I love the way those lyrics of that song earlier said that the maker, I don't know word for word, basically of heaven stepped into time. His God was not a God restricted by time. He's a God that's timeless. We're restricted by time. He's not. But from the beginning of creation, he created this pattern. He created for six days. He sat back. He saw that it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested. The third element of the Sabbath was rest. Rest. Rest is a blessing. I promise we can't go but just so long without rest. You can be a, a workaholic and a workhorse. Roll on with them seven days a week, 60 hours a day, or a week, whatever. Eventually, you got to rest if you don't eventually you will whether it's intentional or not you're going to rest and god's talking to the people of israel let's put it back in context he's talking to his children people his chosen his children group of people his chosen nation he said this is the way life has been before your exile this is the way it was before I brought you redemption. But now you're entering into a new life. The New Living Translation didn't do the best at walking through this, but it says for six days you can do your ordinary work. If you read that more in a literal translation, it says you will work for six days. We're supposed to work. When God put Adam in the garden... He said, work and cultivate the ground. We said, well, work's not any fun. Well, it was meant to be. Problem was, when sin entered in, the curse of sin took place. It was at that point that the ground was now hardened, and now you'll have to deal with the pain to get something out of the ground. But even before then, if you go back and look, when Adam was in the garden, God said, work and cultivate this ground. Work the ground of the garden. So work is part of fulfilling the Sabbath. Because if I don't do something those six days or through a regular, what now, cultural work week for us, if I'm not doing something and then on the Sabbath I try to sit back and do nothing, what is it that separates that from any other day? Nothing. But if we're created in the image of God and we're created in the likeness of God, God created this pattern this example for us the Israelites were to have a day of rest time is the most precious resource we have I can't make more I can turn my watch back I can turn a clock back all day long but it's useless because time has gone right it's most definitely a use it or lose it resource there's no getting it back. And God recognizes that time is this resource. Yet he still sets a day out of the week for us to stop. Remember, keep it, and to rest. So what does that mean for the other six days? Well, if God's intentionally set one to the side, that means those other six have got to be Blessed. And for the children of Israel there, all they've ever known is slave, slave driving and working and working and, and, and making bricks is what they were doing. For seven days, solid, they were going and going and going. And now this new concept is mind-blowing that God's given us a break. And I don't know any other logical way to think about it but, but to think that, that those children of God, that, that group of people now could get accomplished in six days what everybody else was trying to accomplish in seven You agree? That's the only way it was going to happen. When God provided in the wilderness, he provided manna for six days. On the last day, he provided a double portion to get them through that seventh day so they didn't even have to go pick up the food off the ground he was dropping for them. Remember it. Keep it. And rest. Now here's the conversation we've got to have. In the Gospel of Luke, I think it's 14, you know this story. Luke chapter 14 verse 1 says, on the Sabbath day, one Sabbath day Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. The people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath or not? And when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him, and he sent him away. Then he turned his back to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, or maybe you've heard ox in the ditch, don't you rush to get him out? Now, I had no intention, but I think I preached a pretty hard one today. I didn't mean for it to be quite so hard, but I told you from the get-go, I need you to hear the heart, not the letter. Because that letter wasn't written to me. Those commandments were not given to me. They were given to the children of Israel. Now, Jesus didn't come to wipe away that law so that I don't have to live by that law. He came to fulfill that law. There are, I had the word on the tip of my tongue, extenuating circumstances that require somebody to work on what we've culturally created as the Sabbath. First of all, after Jesus came, things drastically changed altogether. It's no longer a Sabbath, it's the Lord's day. It's no longer at the end of the week, now it's at the beginning of the week. The early church of Acts gathered together the first day of the week to celebrate, to worship together, to lift up the name of Jesus. The things that I now get to remember are not a slavery in Egypt, but I get to remember the God of all gods, the God of creation bringing salvation to my life. I get to go back to grace and remember God's grace that's poured out on me when I don't deserve God's grace. I get to go back and remember the person that I was, the person that I fight not to be, and the grace and the mercy that God gives me each and every morning to not be that guy. So, the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. You got six days to do what you need to do. The seventh day is dedicated to the Lord to be holy. I, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, better stop at some point in time and remember who it was I was where it was I come from and remember the goodness of God if I don't stop and I get caught in the mundane they say and I just dumb commercial keeps coming up a body in motion stays in motion it's the law of gravity, it's a momentum, that if I stay in the routine of work, I'm going, going, and going. And I never break it, I never break the mundane. The further I get, the harder it is to remember the goodness of God, the harder it is to remember the grace that it took to bring me from where I was at. Remember the Sabbath, remember the struggles, remember the fight, remember the victory over sin, remember the grace where God has brought this redemption to us and now we're reconciled back to the Father. We've got to remember Jesus. At some point in time, we've got to stop and remember Jesus. You've got to keep a Sabbath. Sabbath. For some people, it can't be Sunday. That's the fact. I thought about it this morning. When I got out of the bed, 7.30 this morning, I'm going to put in a good five to six hours today. I love ministry. Don't get me wrong. Coming to church for me this morning wasn't quite the same as was you. For me, Sunday's not a Sabbath. It can't be. Yesterday... I listened to my devotion yesterday morning while I was folding some towels. But other than that moment, I didn't pick up a sermon. I didn't dig through scripture. I didn't touch it. I pondered. But I intentionally set myself apart from my regular routine and what I've done Monday through Friday to stop. My Sabbath's not on Sunday. I'm in church. It's biblical that I'm in church, but my Sabbath is not on Sunday. If I can help it, Friday afternoons are separated because we've got to keep it separate. There's got to be a time that is kept holy, that looks different. Now, this afternoon, I intend to rest in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe you've heard this statement. Listen to my heart. You fish on Sunday, you catch the devil. Right? You heard that? For a commercial fisherman that fishes Monday through Friday, I agree. But for me, that's rest, that's peace. For me to go stand beside a pond in the shade, especially with as good as it feels outside today. Shine, Jesus, shine on me. That's rest. I can soak in sunshine in ways I can't lay it on the couch when I'm there. Somehow, some way, I'm going to rest today. Several weeks back six weeks back, you want to be exact. Mike and I made a decision that we had to step back and take a break. We had to have a sabbatical. It's the technical name we put on that. We had to step away from what was normal. Step away from what was driving us, what was pulling at us in every way, shape, or form. Our state bishop, our, the, the Church of God state office has built a sabbatical house because they're understanding the importance of of ministers being able to pull out and step away for just just, if it's nothing but a few days, just to step out of the mundane, the regular. We're no different than anybody else. You've got to stop. You've got to slow down. Remember, keep it holy and rest. If you've heard my heart today, maybe you didn't hear my heart, and there's anything you've heard me say that you believe it was not out of love, I'd love to have a conversation with you because I would do my very best to tell you that everything I've said is out of love. I don't mean no harm whatsoever. It's my duty and my charge and my responsibility and my calling to tell the truth. And to do my very best to, do, to rightly divide the word of God. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes Micah can tell me that I'm wrong. I'd say my daddy, but he don't do that often no more. If I'm corrected, it hurts. Nobody likes to be disciplined. Right? But it's out of love. So I hope that you've heard my heart. That's my prayer through all of this whole conversation. My heart's been heard more than anything else. God gave a day for us to just stop, take a breath, enjoy creation, enjoy his goodness, come together as community of believers, for us to be together, for us to set it apart and make it different. Father, God, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace in my life. Father, I recognize that this message today is not a popular message. God, I recognize that maybe it's not one that's comfortable to hear because it's sure not comfortable to preach. Father, but I believe if we hear your heart today, and we don't become like the Pharisees, your word tells us that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. You gave us this day, not demanded us to be slaves to this day. You gave it to us, Lord, for our benefit. It's for our benefit. It's to make us better. It's to slow us down, to give us rest, to give us refreshment, to bring us closer to you, to dedicate a a time together to come and reflect on you, your goodness. Remember your goodness, your grace you poured out on us, God. This day was for us, not us for the Sabbath. God, let us not become like those Pharisees that were so caught up on the letter of the law that they missed the heart altogether. God, I pray that's not the word that's been heard today. But I pray that the word that's been heard today, God, is that this is for us. You, God, are for us. You're not against us. You're for us. You've blessed us with this day. You've blessed us with patterns, with seasons. You've blessed us with this, what we know is a seven-day work week, God, a seven-day week, God. And you've given us one day that could be different, that could be out of the mundane, that could be set apart, God. Let us remember You, more than anything else, let us keep it holy. Let us keep it at an importance of our life. Let us recognize that we have to keep as a part of our schedule. We've got to keep it in routine. God, let us take your example to rest. We need rest, Lord. God, I pray that you bless us today. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. The Lord's touched your heart in some way today. Maybe you recognize that you never saw this in this light. You never recognize that this commandment really is for our benefit. God gifted us with this day. Maybe you want to commit to giving that Sabbath, to keeping, remembering, keeping, and resting in that Sabbath. Just ask the Lord to give you that that heart of His. Commit that day to Him. Father, we commit to You. God, we recognize that life gets so busy And if we're not careful, Lord, we get so caught up in routine and momentum momentum keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And before long, we look back and we can't even remember. God, let us remember you, your faithfulness. We commit to you to not forget the day. If there's not a day we can see, we remember this day. We remember you. Well, we commit to keeping to the very best of our ability. We're going to keep a day that's different, that we reflect on you, God, that we spend time and rest. God, we commit to being in the house of the Lord. We commit to resting in your arms. I thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for this time today. For every person that's been under the sound of my voice, Lord, every person that'll watch this later, God, I pray blessings on them. Lord, bless us and keep us Let your face shine on us. Give us peace. Keep us safe as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen.